Welcome back to Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. This is Michael Delaware. I am your host. I hope you're like me and really enjoy music, especially big band music or more exactly brass band music because I have three special guests on today from the brass band of Battle Creek and we're going to talk about the wonderful history of this amazing organization and my guests are Shannon Akins, Bill Gray, and Jim Gray from the Brass Band of Battle Creek. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for taking time to be on the podcast today. Hey, Michael. Thank you. Thanks for having us. All right. Well, Shannon, let's start with you. Could you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and how you became involved with the Brass Band of Battle Creek? Sure. Um, I actually started just dabbling um, as kind of a volunteer part-time um person. Um, I worked at a different job and I had summers off. So um, I was invited in to help out with the organization. And honestly, from the very first moment, just knew there was uh, something very special about it. And um, then I was had the opportunity um, to take a job, a full-time job as the business office manager with the band. And um, I honestly never pictured myself as a brass band aficionado. It's not something I would have ever chosen for myself. Um, but I, I had the the good fortune of uh, receiving a free ticket um, when the band played at Marshall High School. And I, from the moment they took the stage, um, I, like I was thunderstruck, I have to say. Um, there was something so incredibly special about this organization. and. Besides the fantastic music, it is just, it's like a family. So the camaraderie that happens between the musicians on stage and really what goes out into the audience is just something that is not easily created. And this was from the very moment I was hooked. And so um, these days I refer to it as the sparkly magic. So um, I've described it as um, it feels like a thousand fireworks in my heart all at the same time. So um, everybody who comes for the first time probably thinks the same thing I do. Oh, brass music is not really for me. But I'm telling you, all you have to do is come one time and you'll discover just how special it is. So it, it is quite moving. I went to one performance since I've been in Battle Creek and it was probably the most memorable um, concert experience I've ever been to. Yeah, it's still my favorite of all time of anything I've been to. I always remember if I, someone were to ask me today what my favorite concert was, it, you know, and I don't go to a lot of musical performances, but the Brass Band of Battle Creek is the one that resonates with me because it was so great, and it, you know, it was so personal to the, every person in the audience. Was like they were playing just for you, you know. It was just wonderful. So. Yeah. So now I've been with the organization about seven years full time um, and worked my way up, honestly, from business office manager to an interim executive director. And now I have the privilege to serve as executive director. Okay. When was the brass band of Battle Creek established? <laughs> this is kind of an interesting story. Um, and, and we talked about this um, before coming on the podcast. So the the, the musicians themselves actually did a, a seminar um, on the lawn behind uh, Kellogg Community College, kind of the musicians all together, first time they played. Um, and that was in 1989. Um, but the band actually didn't come under the name of Brass Band of Battle Creek until 1990. So um, there is kind of this so wavery line there about when the band actually started. <laughs> okay. 
All right. Well, so it's roughly 30 years is what you were saying. Yeah. So, Bill, how long have you been involved with the Brass Band of Battle Creek? Well, Jim and I started what has become the Brass Band in 89. Jim and I were the president and vice president of the Marshall Community Band, sponsored by Rotary for five years before that. And it's kind of a long, crazy story, but uh, out of the Marshall Community Band, uh, the the Brass Band of Battle Creek sprang, if you will. Uh, Mm -hmm. So we've been doing this since the beginning, literally. Wow. So Jim, Jim, both you and Bill are the founding members of the, of the directors of the band then, right? Both of us are guilty as charged. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It it has been 30 years of, um, of, uh, of dedication by Bill and I, and certainly Shannon joining us to, um, to watch it grow. Um, from what was a, a local community organization, which was fine, to into this group that, well, for instance, in um, in December, we have Joe Alessi performing a trombone solo and Joe's principal trombone in the New York Philharmonic and wants to join the band when he retires from, from the Philharmonic. So those are the level of players that, you know, are playing in the group. And it it really didn't have a whole lot to do with how Bill and I managed it. It was one of those things that took on a life of its own and kind of called you instead of the reverse, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Wow. It's been fun. It's, it's the band can, as you know, the band can really roar when it gets on stage, Yeah. but it's also, uh, it can also play the quietest and, and most gentle pieces we like to have the audience engaged. We like to have the audience engaged with both the music and the musicians. I mean, we feel that's really important. And you had said that you felt that the band was playing just for you. That's exactly what Bill and I and Shannon want to hear. Couldn't be have couldn't have been better said. Would you say Shannon and Bill? No, that's, yeah. that's the whole Perfect. idea. Is that so many times in symphony orchestras, uh, they do a wonderful job, but a lot of times in more classical type things you you'll you there's really you can see you can feel there's a a curtain somehow between you and the and the and the orchestra and yeah. we do everything we can to get rid of the curtain so it's like they're playing in your living room not in the concert mm-hmm. that's very special so over the years how many musicians have been involved with the brass band wow Oh boy, uh, you know I would say, Bill. What would you say? Upwards of uh, total co- uh, total count, maybe 200, 220. Wow. I don't know if it's that many, but it's 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 a lot more than the thirty that are on stage. It could be that mm-hmm. high. It, yeah, because we started general, out. In general, what we try to do is keep a core of forty to fifty musicians that make up the band. But obviously, okay. over thirty years, musicians come and go and. So Jim could be right. It could be that many. Wow. I'd say in the last five to 10 years that the core of the band has been between 35 and 40 members. And usually we have 29 or so on stage. So that's a pretty consistent membership, I'd say, in the last 10 years. It works better that way because the band knows each other and, and knows what to listen for and feels comfortable much more quickly on stage. So we try to keep it as tight as we can. 
Wow. Principal players have been around. Bill, how long would you say? 15 years now? The beginning. Yeah, you know, Steve has been the principal euphonium since 92, 91. Scott Hartman for at least 20 years. Yes. Wow. Uh, you know, so a long time. You get good people who understand the, the show, you want to keep them with you. Yeah, that makes total sense. You know, and I noticed that on your website that some of them played in um, not only just in the U.S. originally, but also in Canada and London. Well, yeah, we have um, several, four or five, five or six uh, international members from uh, from England that have played all over the world. Steve Mead, Principal Euphonium, wow. who teaches at the Royal College of Music and in, uh, in Manchester, plays all over the world. Um, uh, Scott Hartman, Principal Trombone, would, would be the same. Rich Kelly, Owen Farr, Principal Horn. Uh, we have a new trom a trumpet player coming in, Sean Jones, a Grammy Award winner, who's played everywhere. Yes, most of them. Jens Lindemann, where hasn't he played? Wow. Um, most of them are, are international uh, brass and percussion performers. Do a lot of traveling. So the, the BBBC, does it tour around the U.S. as well, or is it just in Michigan, or does it go internationally? Where are some of your performances uh, outside of Battle Creek, if are if there are any? Well, we played in Tecancha once, but other than that, Bill, why don't you hit that one? Well, we've toured uh, England and uh, played at the Royal Albert Hall. Wow. Uh, we've toured Florida. What was it? Three or four times. We back in the in the early two thousands, we used to go on a Florida tour and play all the big halls down there every year. Uh, we've toured Michigan, ending up at a, at a major concert at Hill Auditorium. Uh, we played individual shows uh, at the, at the uh, Midwest twice now, which is Midwest Music Convention is the biggest educational music uh, convention in the world. And we've been the special guest host there twice. Where else? We played at the, the uh, International uh, Trombone Festival in Indiana. We played at the two was Illinois. It, Illinois. We 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 played many places. It's kind of hard to to keep track of everything. In all honesty, well, we are not the biggest one though. The most fun. Three years in Grand Cayman. Oh, oh really? Wow, that, that's got to be fun. International. Anyway. That was we got two weeks notice about ten years ago that uh, Grand Cayman needed a band to perform at their. Uh, july 4th kind of celebration which was in february mm -hmm. and at the uh, at the behest of the canadian government we were able to perform as their guest and of course that was all funded by uh cayman islands had nothing to do with local funding um and that was truly fun three years in a row in january in grand cayman it, it wasn't hard to get musicians to want to head down there and enjoy <laughs> the sun and the, that was two weeks to get a band and the music together was a real challenge but <laughs> england was a gas plane at royal albert i'm sure bill will never forget walking up the steps and seeing that picture of winston churchill no. next to the uh next to the steps to go on stage it like takes your breath away wow you know, wow that we're, is really something we're actually to play the only uh, band I, that's played at the uh the the national championship of both the united states brass band and the english Brass band organizations. Wow. Wow. That is quite in both places. 
touring yeah. England was really fun. Learned a lot. Good a band lot early in our time. Wow. So any interesting stories from the early years that you want to share? There are no interesting stories at all. It's kind of- <laughs> <laughs> no, I have a hard time believing that. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, uh, well wanna tell, them, tell them how we got the, uh, we, when we decided to start the band, who did we call? It wasn't Ghostbusters. You do better <laughs> stories than I do. We decided that. You guys, I think, you know, I think it's probably important that they, what, how did you guys get the inspiration to, to put together the, the That's brand? That's a good band? question, yeah. We, we actually had gone to Michigan State to listen to uh, the, Black, the Black Watch Band, which is one of the Queen's regimental bands. And on the mm-hmm. way back from East Lansing to Marshall, somebody suggested, you know what? You should do a tribute to Great Britain with the Marshall Community Band because we were in charge of the Marshall Community Band. So... Mm-hmm. Jim, who does most of the research, started looking around for, you know, things to do and whatever. One of the things we thought we could do, I wonder if we could get some proclamation that would identify this as a special day. So being probably a little lightheaded at times, we decided we would call Buckingham Palace and talk to the Queen. So that's what we did. We called (laughs) Buckingham Palace. Uh, we didn't get to the Queen. Jim always remembers of the gentleman's name who we talked to. Who he was Sir William at the time. Yes, wow. he was interviewed as after the Queen's passing. So he must have <laughs> somebody important. Yes, he was. He was on there several times. So at any rate, wow. the, while we didn't get a chance to talk to the Queen, she did spend send us a picture and. That, you know, they were they wanted all hands across the sea kind of thing. So those are the kind of things that we try to do to try to make things special. So Jim went out of his way researching uh, the, the concert we would do. We hired a bagpiper and we played all kinds of great English things. And one of the things he did during this period was call uh, Dr. Paul Drosty, who at that time was the conductor of the Ohio State University Marching Band and also the Brass Band of Columbus, which was the championship band in the United States. So and it was a British style brass band. Exactly, British. and that's the trick. Wow. You know, there are brass bands and there are brass bands, but this we play in a we we operate an English style or British style brass band. Certain instrument. But, but since since he operated a brass band, we thought it, he would be the guy to talk to to come up with some good British music because he ran a British brass band, right? Yeah. Right. Okay, go ahead. Bill. So during the course of the conversation. Paul suggested to Jim, why don't you guys put on a, a, why don't you start a British brass band in Battle Creek? And Jim talked back and forth with him about it. And they kind of semi-made plans that the next day we're both podiatrists and Jim came into the office and said, you know what we ought to do? And he gives me this plan. I said, are you nuts? You know, we, we run the local band. You know, we both have families with all kinds of things to do. By the way, we're doctors with a pretty busy practice. How in the heck are we going to find time to do this? And I said, no, you're nuts. We're not going to do this. So we did it. Uh, and this is basically how it got started. We had a seminar and invited all kinds of brass players that we knew locally. And that, as Shannon mentioned, we had a concert out behind KCC. We uh, I don't know if you know who Dave Eddy is, but he was a very prominent radio uh, host at the time. And he invited Dave is us a great on friend. And talked about <laughs> it. And, 
holy moly. We had 700 plus people show up on the back lawn of KCC to hear this concert and everybody loved it. And we were like, you know, we had the hook in our mouth and we bit down on the thing and now we're stuck. So (laughs) that's kind of how we got started. And it was, we did it to the real reason actually we had trouble finding reeds to play in the Marshall community band. When I was a kid, there'd be 4,000 reeds and two trumpets in a band. But now we could find all, right. all kinds of trumpets, trombones, French horns, you name it. We couldn't find reeds. So maybe we should get smart and we could make our own brass band and we'd, we'd make it the, the rotary brass band instead of the rotary wind band. And that's right. what we were going to do. And the truth is the thing got way to hell out of hand and it ended up this great professional organization. Now there's a ton of wow. interesting stories about how that happened because you could, I mean, that doesn't sound like a Mickey Rooney B movie from the early fifties or late forties. <laughs> he is. You can sew the, 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 the outfits and we'll get Aunt Minnie to do this and we'll get people that will open up the barn and then we'll come. I mean, it's, it sounds just like that. And it kind of was just like that. We didn't start wow. out to make this great thing and we didn't start out to make a business of it. So it was all serendipity. Did you know Russ Lobby? I, I don't know them. Uh, him. Did you, you didn't know the, the man at all? No, I didn't know him at all. No. Well, he was chairman of the Kellogg Foundation. Okay. And uh, a, a really great guy and a, and a big Michigan State fan. And uh, we went one concert further at Lakeview uh, High School. And just by luck, um, Russ Mobby, the chairman of the Kellogg Foundation, sat next to our sister, Kathleen. And she filled him that night with all kinds of wonderful stories. And at the end of the night, she had no idea who he was. She just thought he was a regular old dude. She said, you know, we should do this more often. And Russ looked at her and said, by God, I think we will. Wow. And that's when the Kellogg Foundation got involved. And wow. that was the beginning of, um, of, uh, of some real help that allowed us to do what has grown into the band. But like Bill said, there are other stories that um, <laughs> are unbelievable. Uh, that just made it seem like it wanted, it had to be, or wanted to be. You often hear people say that you don't choose something, mm-hmm. but it chooses you. Wow, that's yeah. exactly what happened. Wow, that is the, quite a story. The first big interview, we 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 were interviewed in a major magazine over in England. We're actually fairly well known in England, much more than here. Mm-hmm. And and the. One of the things I mentioned in the article, which which ended up the headline of the article, is God wants a brass band in Battle Creek. And to go through all the stories, you'd understand what I meant by that. And, you know, right. Not trying to make fun of anything, but but literally, you know, every time God closes a door, he opens a window kind of thing. And it, it's right. I can't how many times we would lose a major musician or somebody couldn't perform, and that would lead to Jim doing most of the research and looking for musicians, we'd end up, the guy that left, we'd find somebody better to to, to come in. And that's really how the wow. band kept growing better and better and better and better. Wow. God, I'll never forget one time early, we had Wycliffe Gordon playing with us, a great jazz trombonist who lives down in Kentucky now, taught at Michigan State. And he was coming in to the area to play with us 
And something happened where I needed to get hold of him right away. I, I can't think what it was, but it was so important. And he wouldn't answer his phone. <laughs> he just was like that. Sometimes he just doesn't answer a phone. And I went out to get some gas at the local Shell station here in Marshall. And I looked over and I said, damn, that looks a lot like Whitecliffe Gordon. What? It was Whitecliffe. <laughs> who had rented a car at the airport and had, I didn't know where he was. Well, he could have been anywhere in the world. He ended up 20 feet away getting gassed at the Shell station. <laughs> How does that happen? Just weird stuff. Serendipity, huh? Yeah, the first, uh, just the, the first concert stuff. we ever did, Jim had lined up, uh, can't think of his name, he plays in the Chicago Symphony oh. now. Dude, what's his name? Not Carl. Huh? Oh, Todd Larson. Todd Larson. Todd Larson. Todd Larson was the number one trumpet at Michigan State University at the time we started the yeah, sure. And wow. uh, Jim had done a lot of work to make sure we get good people, and he got Todd lined up to be the soprano cornet in the band. Soprano cornet is a very important instrument. It's it's E flat versus B flat, like pretty much most of the rest of them are. And he plays all the mm -hmm. high. Remember, there are no flutes, clarinets. So if there's a flute solo, this guy has to play it. And some of those things, you know, are just all over the place. So you have to have a good musician. So wow. we he went out of his way to, to get Todd lined up and about Two weeks before the show, we get a call from Targa Larson and says, geez, I'm sorry, guys, but I can't play. What do you mean you can't play? What happened? He said, well, my professor said I have to attend a concert because it's a special guy playing and I can't play in your concert because I've got to go. If I don't do this, the professor won't give me a good grade and I'll be in trouble. OK, so what are you going to do? So now we're, we're screwed. What are we going to do? The mm -hmm. One of the most important musicians is not be there, what What are we going to do? So we thought for a while, we called a fellow by the name of Marty Erickson. Marty Erickson's an old friend. He, he played tuba at Michigan State, a uh, great mm -hmm. tuba player, and he was the, the uh, tuba player in the U.S. Navy band for 26 years. He ended up the top kick of the of the band. So he says, well, he says, yeah, it's kind of a problem. Let me, let me give it some thought, and I'll, I'll get back to you. So about three or four days later, he calls us and he says, listen, I got uh, I got a, a guy lined up for you. Who is? Well, his name's Carl Rowe. Never heard of him. Who the hell is Carl Rowe? Well, he's the principal oh. trumpet in the U.S. Marine Band. Oh, that's wow. Carl Rowe. Huh? So we went from the best <laughs> trumpet player at Michigan State to one of the best trumpet players in the country to play the soprano cornet part. And wow. that kind of foolishness happens over and over and over and over again. It's it's it, it really is more than there is something going on. Obviously, it's not Jim and I smart enough to do all this. This is right. There's something afoot here that, that helps make things happen. Wow. And they come to Battle Creek and love to come here. Absolutely adore Battle Creek. Wow. Love the town, love the people, engage the people, hang out in town, go to the Griffin. They've made lifelong friends. Um, I don't sometimes we don't even have to go to the airport because we know their friends are going to go to the airport, pick them up, bring them to Battle Creek. Wow. I mean, they integrated themselves into the fabric of Battle Creek. That's just and, um, great. And that's really, really important. One, one of the things. Yeah, they've, I mean, honestly. It feels like um, for them, for the musicians who travel quite a bit, I mean, it feels like they're they're coming to their second home. 
um, because they've been so welcomed um, and everybody makes them feel very special while they're in Battle Creek. So um, it's really wonderful to have them. And we certainly appreciate the community wrapping their arms around us for sure. It makes a huge difference. <clears throat> makes a huge difference. I mean, Joel Essie, mm-hmm. who's playing Tango for Joe, premiering it in December from the New York Philharmonic, could play anywhere he wants to play. Mm-hmm. Plays all over the world. But he comes to Battle Creek because he wants to. Wow. And that's pretty special. Well, let's talk about audience reaction for a minute. Um, over the, I imagine over the many performances, audience reactions probably varied a little bit, but is there any that come to mind as being ones that stand out more than others, like uh, an unexpected reaction? Uh, well, you I mentioned think, the oh, 700 yeah. crowd that showed up initially. The first, but, time Doc really first time Doc Severinsen played with us, uh, I, I remember the audience reaction to that. It was like... Battle Creek Central had won the Class A basketball championship up in these lands. I mean, the crowd erupted wow. at the end of it. Wow. Yeah, you learn quickly the difference between um, applause and ovation. Wow. And um, there's been uh, some pretty interesting ovations. One of the, one of the, uh, it wasn't applause, but one of the reactions or ovation, one of the reactions that always touched me the most was we were playing at a Methodist church in Englewood, Florida. Mm-hmm. I was part of the Florida tour. And the church was full, probably 1,500 people there. And most of them, you know, were a little bit older. And we have a beautiful arrangement of Amazing Grace that we play. Mm-hmm. And it's in a good singing key. And I'll never forget sitting there. And as the band finished the introduction to the piece and got into the tune, uh, you know, a couple of people started to hum, and then more people started to hum. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the first run through of the tune, I bet you three quarters of that, of it seemed like a congregation, uh, was humming that tune. Remember that, Bill? Wow. It ended up a sing-along. It really did. Oh, that was something. Else. Wow. Well, one, one of the real, one of the reactions I'll never forget is at the end of our Michigan tour, we played three or four different spots before we ended up at Hill Auditorium. I think it was in 99. Um, mm-hmm. They didn't know who we were. You know, it was a brass band. My God, they, at first Hill Auditorium insisted that they have the the uh, Ann Arbor Boys Choir sing with us because they were afraid nobody would show up and everything. So uh, right. we ended up playing there to seven standing ovations throughout the show. Uh, we had a continuous standing ovation at the end. I was backstage, went out. I listened for a, a minute or two backstage, went out, walked all the way around the hall, walked in through the front, stood at the back. And then after I got there, there was five more minutes of standing ovation. Uh, it just people wow. didn't believe it. And then, of course, they get all the great music uh, organizations throughout history, all the major People have played there. Bernstein, that was one of the places he stopped on his last tour. It's a, it's a tremendous classical place to play. We set the CD sale record that night. Wow. We, we get, we're a little bit lucky, though, because people hear Brass Band of Battle Creek and their expectations sometimes are a little low. Mm-hmm. Um, and we always are able to over deliver. I mean, when you've got Joe Alessi and Wycliffe Ford and Steve Mead and Sean Jones and Rich Kelly and Owen Farr, you can play any music that you want. Mm-hmm. You can play anything from classical transcriptions to rock and roll to anything. Mm-hmm. 
And um, most musical organizations just can't can't pull that off. Wow. And that's what really separates uh, a brass band, specifically the brass band of Battle Creek from most other performance uh, ensembles, is they can do it in a convincing fashion. It doesn't sound like someone just covering or trying to do it. Um, so we get uh, we get to surprise them a little bit, I would say, wouldn't you guys think? Yeah. Oh, yeah. As I, you know, it's funny. Um, you know, you might think, oh, I've been to the brass band. I know exactly what to expect. I'm going to hear Sousa marches and, you know, it's all going to be standard and it's going to be the same time every time we hear them perform. But I always tell people, um, you know, get your tickets for the next show because I can guarantee you it's going to be something completely different. So, I mean, we've done we've done the music of the band uh, Chicago, which brought people to their feet out in the aisle, um, dancing around. Um, you know, we've done very quiet pieces. Of course, the holiday um, concert is always a favorite. Mm -hmm. um, many, many people consider that to the kickoff to their holiday season. So um, that is really something quite special. Lots of times we've had um, sing-alongs. And listen, there's nothing more moving than, you know, everybody in your audience just joining in together um, in that joyous moment. Um, it is truly unforgettable. The band, the band really has come to enjoy playing different styles of music. I mean, they expect mm -hmm. it, they enjoy it. Um, it's really what we're known for. So during the year, how many different performances do you have? I know the Christmas one is a so big we, one. Yep. And then we always do one in May. That's our spring show. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I'm not... I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag about 2023, but I'm telling you what, the minute tickets go on sale, you better snap them up because it is going to be something that Battle Creek will not ever wow, forget. Wow, that's something nice. You know, we also, we played it uh, in Chicago, as Bill mentioned, mm -hmm. at, um, at Midwest Convention. What's the name of the building? I always forget. The Midwest? The McCormick yeah, Center? The okay. McCormick spot. There's probably eight, 9,000 people there, and the concert, there might be 2,000 or so. But we also forgot to mention that we um, we have played at uh, Millennium uh, Park. Millennium Park, which was an absolute gas because it was during the air show, and there were F-18s flying around. Wow. God, that was fun. That was an absolute gas. Have you been to, Mill to Millennium Park and seen the stage? No, I haven't. No. Oh, it's spectacular. It's wow. close. You know where that bean is in downtown in the in Grant Park? There's that bean thing, all silver colored reflector. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I've been down oh, there. Millennium yeah. Park is just beyond that, right? Right next okay. to it. It seats thousands and thousands and thousands of people. There were a lot of people there that night. Yeah. Uh, an outdoor concert in Millennium Park. There were a ton of people. I mean, thousands of people at that concert. Mm -hmm. That was truly, truly fun. What a great spot. Was it like a July 4th weekend or something like that? For, no, or, when was it? Oh, of July, early August? I don't, I don't really remember. It was one of those things we got a special invitation to go over and play. And, you know, oh, off wow. we went. Well, it was, I remember it was later towards the summer because we, Steve Mead did uh, the a Lento movement of Sparks Euphonium Concerto. It was good. We had it timed so that so that while he was playing that beautiful slow movement, the song would be setting. Remember? Yep. Wow. And it worked perfectly. It was great. That it, was really, it's not really to fun. It's not plan stuff when you have great musicians. Jim was saying, you know, we have these great musicians. Uh, the truth is there's three, four maybe you could argue 
of the best players on their instruments in the world sit in this band. Yeah, that's and very true. Really good yeah. players here. We're not. We're t we're talking about the best of the best. Uh, so it, it's yeah. wow. It's a. It's a. It would be. It would, it's like an all-star team in any of the major leagues: basketball, baseball, football. Uh, it, it, it's it's ridiculous to be honest with you. Doesn't make any sense. And it's, and it's not that we're so great or we do great things. The musicians have bought in. Absolutely. See what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So they they do the recruiting. Well, and it's not just that they're. Yeah, it's not just that they're great musicians. I have to say that. It is that they are great people. Um, you know, they understand each other. They've worked together for a long time. Um, and, and they are they are kind and they are generous and they love, um, you know, making music with each other. And that is really um, a big part of what makes it so special is mm -hmm. because you just feel that energy just going back and forth between the audience and the band and the band within itself. And I'm telling you there, it's just like, it's electric. And they don't do it enough so that, you know, if sometimes famili familiarity mm -hmm. breeds contempt. Well, if they're only doing it three or four or four or five times a year, sometimes two or three, they really treasure the time that they get oh, back to see. So right. Let me tag on to what Shannon was saying. The most probably the most common question we get from musicians is when do you hold your auditions? Okay. And the answer is we don't audition. Uh, we go out of our way to pick the people we're at, not just the musicians, but the people that will fit together because a team fits together. You know, if you have a good team, mm -hmm. just the power of the team alone, irregardless of the quality of the players in that team, they will produce more. So if we've had one bit of genius in it is picking the correct people that fit together who are very high quality people who can bury their egos for the betterment of this group and it makes it easier to do special things when you have all these special people around wow well and then they get used to playing with each other for so long there's got to be some kind of a bond or or well, it's it's one of the most one of the smallest, most difficult fraternities in the world to get into. Mm -hmm. But at one, I don't know, I don't think we have it anymore. But at one time, we had I, I don't know how many hundreds of people, Jim, from around the world on a list that wanted to get into the band. Well, there were a lot of people wanted in, but again, I guess it's also important to to stress how much they enjoy coming to Battle oh, Creek, Michigan. They love the hall. They love the people in town. They've been open. They've been welcomed with open arms. They love the community. People often say nothing ever good mm -hmm. ever goes on in Battle Creek. You come to the hall Saturday, December third, and I yeah, will yeah, it is, well. yeah, I, it is yeah, it is it is something. It is just like Battle Creek's best kept secret to people that don't know about it. I mean, it really is. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, we're we're working on trying to turn that around a little bit. Yeah, but I think when you go there and you go, wow, this is my private band, you know. <laughs> There's a right. tendency to right. like, well, do I really want to tell other people about this so I don't get tickets next time? Yeah, it is yeah. it is quite remarkable. I think when I first uh, moved to Battle Creek, as you know, I'd heard about it, and it was like two years after I went. And I, and I took my wife there at the time, and we said, well, let's just go see what this is about, you know. 
And if we don't like it, we'll leave. You know, of course, we were totally enraptured and just it was the most amazing evening that we had ever before a band performance. So it was quite it is quite magical to go in there. And and I think you're right. The the auditorium that you play in there is is part of the magic, too, because it's not too big. It's not too small. It's the right size for that band. You know, it's the right fit. The beautiful. And the yeah, and we we love being there. It is our it is our home away from home for sure. Every time I walk on that stage, when we start concert rehearsal, I look out and say, "God, how lucky we are living <laughs> in a town the size of Mattapree, not a huge city, and to have a, a middle school auditorium of that quality um, is just so lucky. We're so lucky to have it." So, Bill and Jim, do you play in with the band, or are you the more well, like the conductors of the band? Smarter. I would say that Bill and I are two of the world class musicians <laughs> that uh, actually make the, <laughs> the backbone of the band. We're the ones with special points. No way. That really gets it going. No uh, way. Bill and I, Bill and I, I played once and quickly got kicked out. I kicked him out. <laughs> Honestly, hey, Mike, here's the funny thing. In the office, you know, when I when Bill and I see patients, I still see patients, mm-hmm. Bill retired, but they would ask me, um, what instrument do you play in the band? And I would say, <laughs> I don't play in the band. And they say, why not? And I, I would say, I'm not good enough. And they would look at me like I was some kind of a creep. And they would say, well, why don't you just practice harder? And, and they left a like, you slouch off the end of it, you know? And I, I'd, them and I'd say... I could practice 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and I would never be good enough. People don't understand that to this day. And I'd say, look, I could practice hockey every day of my life for 20 hours a day, and I would never make the Red Wings. I'm not physically talented <laughs> enough. It's the same <laughs> when it gets to that level of music. The 10,000 hours to perfection bit is total horse manure yep. when it comes yeah. to that type of activity. You can practice to your blue in the face. And if you don't yeah. have that something special to get to that level, you ain't going to get there. Yeah. I don't care what Mike. Okay, but let me, can I just sure. interject something here is, is well, while Jim talks about that he doesn't, he, he can't play to that level. I do want to say that um, he has a talent for playing unusual instruments. Um, and, and we'll kind of wander out to the stage. So, um, you know, I mean, he does he does bring that that whole different level to the band when he decides to yes. do that. So, so, so now you got me curious. What are unusual instruments? Are we talking about a juice <laughs> harp? Or are we talking about a, a, a banjo? Go ahead and or... tell him. We, <laughs> go ahead and we tell were him. playing a tune. I can't remember. Was it a kid's concert? I can't remember. I think it was one of the um, youth yes. brass band concerts. And it called for conch shell. The conch shell. <laughs> part of it is that the conch shell shell had to be an F, and one had to be a G. Well, on the way down vacation in the Keys, I found a place that sold conch shells that you could play, and and Jonathan and I, my son, stood outside that place for an hour, blowing <laughs> conch shells until we found one that blew an F and one in G. And we mark wow. people come by. How do you make that sound? How do you make that sound? So what fun it was! Did they make a huge sound? It's amazing. And that <laughs> you stand in the back and go, "Hmm." <laughs> 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 oh, 
Oh, always a surprise. <laughs> well, let's talk about uh, you've got some upcoming performances. You mentioned there's the December, is it December 3rd? It is Saturday, December 3rd, 7.30. 7.30. Okay, so how can people buy tickets to that performance? Where can they go? So tickets are on sale online at www.bbbc.net. Um, you also can call the box office um, at uh, 269-789-2222. And the box office is open from 9 to 4.30, Monday through Friday. Okay. Um, we do offer student discounts, so that's always good. You do have to call the, the box office to get that discount. Um, so, like I said, we do have that one coming up. And then, of course, um, on Saturday, May 20th of 2023 will be our um, spring concert. Okay. And I noticed that you also have your CDs or several CDs that the the brass band has created over the years. So those are available on that same website. Are any are any of the band, those albums now on iTunes as well or Yes, you can you can yes, iTunes for sure. Um Spotify as well. Okay. Um, we always have a, a merch table set up. We've got lots of new merch, um uh pint glasses, uh, different a couple different kinds of shirts now. So we do have lots of merch for sale. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention um, that we also do two youth brass band camps in July, a high school and a middle school. Okay. The high school one, the camp is held at the WK Kellogg Auditorium. And um, the middle school one is held at Marshall High School. And at the end of each one of those camps, uh, the high school camp is a five-day, middle school is a three-day. And at the end of that, we put on a free community concert um, that features the kids who have participated in the camp and they do get to sit alongside the faculty, which is, uh, which are musicians from the brass band of Battle Creek along with local educators. So um, those are honestly, I, I promise that they are definitely worth, um, you know, taking the time to come and see those kiddos. And it's a great, it's a tremendous educational opportunity at an extremely affordable price. Yep. I live here. Look at that. <laughs> He's holding up a conch shell here. He's... <laughs> you know, he went you and got get, his conch shell. <laughs> you get your own kind of private performance. There you go, the conch shell. Unique to everybody out there at, on listening to Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. You know, we just uh, heard a conch shell performance here. So, Well, it's been wonderful having you guys on today. It's just great. And I'm, I'll definitely have to have you guys back to talk more of the history of this is just a such an incredible organization and it is just like it really i really got the the idea that it's just kind of evolved in its own direction with kind of higher purpose making it better and better you know it just really seems that way because it uh it is an institution that people really enjoy and it gets better every time you know, yeah. it's got quite a legacy. And I know that we plan to, uh, at the Battle Creek Regional History Museum, we have a music legacy wall, and we'd like, we're going to put the Battle Creek Brass Band probably logo on that wall, Yeah, with your permission, obviously. But um, we're yeah, sure. showing it into, into our new history education center that we just did the fundraising for. And we're working on the details right now with the photos and everything. So, uh uh, we certainly want to have the Battle Creek Brass Band represented there as well. So, well, remember when you show up, you'll have fun. You won't be bored. You'll have a wall. Yeah, it is wonderful. So, any last 
uh, stories or, or memories you want to share about the over the 30-year history that stands out most to you? Oh, boy. I mean, I think back to the very beginnings and how the band has its roots in uh, Leonard Falcone, uh, the director of the Michigan State Marching Band. Mm-hmm. Of course, Bill and I, our dad uh, was president of the band in 46. And I can just remember being a little kid, you know, the late 50s, early 60s, walking across that band practice field and hearing that band play, uh, oh. and meeting Falcone, and then um, working at the Falcone uh, Euphonium tuba competition at Blue Lake. And through that is how we met so many of the musicians. So it really is a long lineage. It goes back to the 1940s uh, with Bill, late 40s, early 50s mm-hmm. at Michigan State, and Leonard Falcone, and how that tree has blossomed up into the uh, into the 21st century. In, in a way, this is wow. uh, our way of honoring the, the very rich history of brass playing, not only in our country, but in, in England. Uh, mm-hmm. And a, and a special type of, of band, not to get into a whole new subject, but way back when, even the bands in this country were brass bands. Uh, they developed in, in bands mm-hmm. later in, they were. in the 19th century, uh, Sousa, if you remember. So th- there's a huge history yeah. of, of pl- brass playing, not only in the country, in our family. It's a way to honor our father, who was a great musician, and our grandfather, our uncle. Uh, so it... It's kind of a way to continue a family tradition, and, and we I think we've built a new family in the band, uh, having the band be able to do this, and it's it's a it's it's the kind of entertainment you've been there. So this is the kind of entertainment you can take the whole family, from grandma and grandpa down to yep. the, the kids, and enjoy it and not have to worry, and wow. uh, be enriched by it also. It's more than. We don't call it a concert. We actually call it a show because the whole idea is to get involved with the audience. Mm -hmm. Well, any last thoughts there, Shannon, that you want to share? Michael, thank you so much for inviting us. We uh, we love to share the story of the Brass Band of Battle Creek. Um, Obviously, we we, um, all love it. And um, it's an honor to share it with the folks in in Battle Creek. And so, um, like I said, we appreciate you having us on and letting us um, kind of regale you with some of the the history <laughs> of the band. Well, thank you. Well, I appreciate you guys coming on today. It's just been fabulous. I've been just in awe listening to these amazing stories and the early history. I had no idea how involved it was and how many amazing uh, musicians that you brought in over the years. Uh, It's quite an institution. So I have been speaking with Shannon Aikens, executive director of the Brass Band of Battle Creek, as well as Bill Gray and Jim Gray, who are founding directors of the BBBC. And it's been a fascinating journey through history from the early days of the establishment of the Brass Band. And I learned a tremendous amount from them about perseverance and building an organization early on with the right people. And you really learn that lesson when you listen to this interview with these folks, because it's just a magical institution. If you've never had an opportunity to go hear the Brass Band of Battle Creek perform, you definitely need to mark their next show on your calendar. And I'm going to put the 
link to their website in the description of this podcast episode so that you can get your tickets early and definitely sign up for their future shows. You're going to want to bookmark their website in your browser. And if you'd like to reach out to me, you can find me at michaeldelaware.com. I'm always happy to hear from my listeners. You can send me a message through there. And until next time, when we take another journey into yesterday and explore yet another fascinating tale of Southwest Michigan's past, thank you for listening.